book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15. If you would keep the Bibles open, we're going to do a lot of flip-flopping this morning. Before we get started, I want to ask a question. Is <laughs> And I'm sure that we know as, as well as anybody, what causes work to stop? What causes work to stop? There's, I don't know, I guess usually about every four years the, the government threatens to shut down because of this, that, and the other with, with Congress. And they say if, if this is not approved, then work is going to stop. Work is going to shut down. Whenever we were trying to get to the footings dug and then concrete poured out here, what slowed us down? God sent us rain to teach us patience. Some of us didn't learn it as good as others. Rain caused the work to stop. It seems like there's, there's always something that can and will get in the way if we let it. But whenever it comes to our work for God, there's nothing that's worth stopping our work. There, there's nothing in this world that is worth standing in between us and the work that God has set forth in our life. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter number 16, he said, Commit thy works unto the Lord. If we're going to do something for God, God went all the way for us. God gave us everything. God gave it all. He gave His Son. He gave His Son to die. He gave His Son to suffer. He, he didn't hold anything back. And yet whenever it comes to us working for Him, whenever it comes to us living for Him, and if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, whenever it comes to you believing in Him, it seems like there's always something trying to hold you back. There's always something trying to hold us back. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58, 1 Corinthians 15, let's back up to 57. He said, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have too much to be thankful for. God gave us everything. And if Jesus could die for us, it is our responsibility. It is our commitment to live for Him. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And they, this morning I want to look at that word abounding. And to abound, Webster says that it is to be plentiful, to be abundant, to be in large quantity. So whenever the Bible says that we are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord, it means that we are never supposed to slow down. It means that we are supposed to accumulate, that we are supposed to work, that we are supposed to, to push and to go to the point that we are creating large numbers, existing in large numbers. And I'm not saying that, that, that church work is about the numbers. I'm talking about the, the amount of work that we have to do for God is a bunch. It is a bunch. That's, I don't know how else to put it. The work that we have to do for God, the opportunities that He will set forth in our life are vast. They are abounding. But you know what the difference is between God giving us opportunities and us taking them? You know where the rub is? It's us choosing to. God sets forth opportunities in our life for us to live for Him, for us to witness for Him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, for you to believe in Him. And the only thing holding us back, the only thing holding you back, is doing it. And this morning, I, I, I kind of want to point this kind of toward those of us who are saved, as well as those of you who are lost. And God gave us three things that we're supposed to do. Following salvation, we're supposed to live for Him. The first is we're supposed to witness to each other. He says that in Acts. He said, you are to be a witness unto me and all the world. Beginning in Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and all the world. The second thing that we're supposed to do is we are supposed to share the gospel. He says that in Matthew. To teach the priest to baptize. The third things that we are to do. Jesus said over and over and over throughout his ministry on this earth that we are to 
love God, love people. That is our three job, uh, three things that we have in our job description as Christians. Now this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never been saved, then you only have one thing to do. And that is to believe in Jesus Christ and save your soul. That is it. That's the only thing that you have to do. This morning, what is standing in your way? What is stopping you from believing? For those who are saved, what is stopping us from living for God? Turn back to the wood, if you, if you would, to the book of Ezra. Chapter number 4. Book of Ezra, chapter number 4. This morning we're going to flip-flop around the Old and New Testament several times. We're going to look at several things that hinder the work of God's people. And how these same things still hinder the work of God in our life today. Ezra chapter number 4, the people are building on the temple. Trying to anyway. But whenever people see progress getting done, whenever they, whenever the devil sees progress in the church and, and a growing church and a, a building church and, and a church that is about God's work, whenever God sees, whenever the devil sees God working on a, a lost soul, whenever he sees the Spirit burdening you, whenever he sees you getting ready to be saved, then, then, then he decides to put things in your way. Whenever God sees someone living for Christ and living for God and being a witness in their life, the devil wants to put something in your way. And here in Ezra, we see that, <laughs> that other people hindered the work of building the temple. In verse number 1 of Ezra chapter 4, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel, the chief of their fathers, and said unto him, Let us build with you, for we seek God as you do. Now when the enemy heard that there was things going on, they said, let us come build with you. Let us come take part. We're going to help you because we seek God just like you do. Easiest way to destroy something? Water has never sunk a ship from the outside. It's never happened. Water has never sunk a ship from the outside. Other people that we allow to get in our life, other people that we allow uh, to, to hinder us. Verse number 4. He said the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them from building. They slowed down the building. They slowed down the work of God because the people let them in. And I'm not saying that we should be closed off people and, and not communicate not with anybody else. I'm saying that we should not allow the things that other people say, the things that other people do, the, the, the times that they try to get in our way to get between us and God. The whole point of, of what I'm trying to share with you this morning is, is there's nothing worth getting between us and God. Nothing. And here, whenever our enemies see us grow, whenever your enemies see you living for God, they don't like it. They don't like it. And they're going to try to get in between you and God. Turn, if you would, to Malachi chapter number 2. book of Malachi chapter number 2 verse number 8 he said but you departed out of the way and you have caused many to stumble at the law you have corrupted the covenant of Levi saith the Lord of hosts a lot of times people are delayed People are, are hindered. People are, people are misled because of others leaving. 
because of other people saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. What happened whenever Peter said, well, Jesus is gone, I think I'm going to go fishing. Now, Jesus had, Jesus had 11 people at the time following Him. So whenever one person said, I'm going to go fishing, what did all the rest of them do? They stopped living for Jesus. They stopped testifying. They stopped witnessing. They stopped. And they said, we're going to go fishing with you. Just because other people depart to faith, the Bible said that's coming, by the way. Many will depart to faith. The Bible says there will be a falling away in the last times. I believe that we are in the last times. And that falling away is here. And just because other people leave and other people stop working, don't say I'm going to stop working. Don't say what your mama always said. If your friend goes and jumps off a bridge, are you going to follow him? If other people leave, if other people cease to work, if other people say, well, I, I'm not getting into that church stuff, I'm not doing it anymore, I'm sick and tired of it, I'm going to play golf. Are you going to go play golf with them? Solomon said, commit thy works unto the Lord. Paul said in Colossians, he said, anything that you do, do it heartily as unto God and not unto men. We are working for a higher purpose. We are working for a higher being. We are working for a cause greater than that of anything that's ever been on this earth. We are working for the cause of Christ in anything. Anybody that gets in between us and that is a hindrance that does not need to be there. Turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. First Samuel chapter number 17. So many times in our life we'll get to a point of adversity. And we'll say it's just gotten too hard. It's just gotten too difficult. Last Sunday night, last Wednesday night, we talked about Jesus said in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are you whenever you're persecuted for righteousness. sake." Right? Paul told Timothy, he said, you shall be persecuted for preaching Jesus. It's going. It's, it's coming. For those of you who may not have experienced it yet, you will be criticized and talked about and treated different because you're one of the church people. Because you're a Christian. So many times we'll find things in our life that, that we consider to be kind of like Goliath. We consider them to be giants. But you know the problem with, with this story with Goliath is Goliath wasn't a giant compared to God. Goliath was a giant compared to the men of Israel. Goliath was a giant in their eyes. It's all about perspective. Let's look at verse number 3. He said, And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side of Israel, uh, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a great valley between them. And the champion, and there went out a champion, out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And you go on down, and in verse 8 he said, He stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, and said unto him, Why are you come and set your battle in array? Am not a, I a Philistine, servant of Saul, cause a choose you a man for you, and let him come down unto me, and I will fight. Excuse me, and if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Goliath said, Let's do this one-on-one. -on -one. And the armies of Israel stood there. Verse number 10. 
The Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man. We might fight together. And Saul and all Israel who heard the words of the Philistines were dismayed and greatly afraid. All that they could see was the giant. Whenever it comes to serving God, there will be giants come and stand in our way. It's coming. Get ready. There will be things come and stand in our way, and whenever we look up and see it, oh. Bailey says all the time, uh-oh. All the time. Everything is a uh-oh. Whenever something comes and stands in our way and gets between us and living for God, gets between us and serving God, there was a problem at Pine High School several years ago. Some of you may know about it, but they were told that they could not, uh, they could not pray at football games. There was a teacher, principal sometimes, would, would pray at football games, and they said, nope, you can't do that anymore. They said, we're going to fix that. They let a student pray. Whatever the problem is, God provides a solution. Well, we couldn't have any uh, couldn't have any teacher-led Bible studies in public schools. So at Varnado, we had student-led Bible studies. Because God always provides a way. Whenever we see something in our life and we think there's no way that we can, can, can challenge it, there's no way we can whoop it, this is a huge problem. The only thing that we have not seen is how huge our God is. David ran toward this giant. David didn't see the giant. David saw God. David didn't see how tall he was. David didn't count how many weapons he had. David saw God. And he was not going to allow one man stand between him and his God. This morning, if we allow one problem, if we allow one challenge, if we allow... We allow a giant to stand between us and the goal that God has for our life. The blessings that God has for us, if we will but obey Him, shame on us. Because what is it worth? What is worth giving up opportunities God gave us? What is worth saying, God, this problem is too big? Then we're just lying to ourselves. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 13. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 13. Jesus is about midway through His ministry here. Verse number 57, it says, They were offended in Him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, save his own country, and in his own house. And He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus passed on. Jesus moved on. Their unbelief caused work not to be done. How often does our unbelief hinder what God can do in our life? Had David not believed that God could slay that giant, then David would have never been blessed because of that situation. If we believe that God cannot use my life, Gideon said, God, I'm, I'm the least of all. God, I can't do this. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Yet Gideon obeyed. Paul obeyed. They chose God rather than, than unbelief. This morning, if God gives us an opportunity to witness to other people, but we don't believe that it'll make a difference, then, then that's us putting God in a box, and that's a problem. Because God don't belong in a box. God is bigger than a box. 
God is bigger than our unbelief. God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than our doubts. God is bigger than our fears. God is bigger than all of it. All He asks for us is to obey Him. So whenever He gives us an opportunity to witness, Brother Randy, we better speak up. Whenever He gives us an opportunity to live a life that can allow Jesus to shine so other people can see it, and we better shine. Because if we don't believe that God can work through each and every individual, you're not serving the same God I am. You don't see God the same way that I do. God is bigger than all of it. God is mightier than all of it. God has already taken care of all of it. He just asked for our part. One of the hardest things in the world to do that I have found is to make homemade muffins. Anybody ever tried to make homemade muffins? I'm not talking about the, the Martha White muffins that I made for breakfast this morning. I'm talking about homemade muffins. I've never been able to do it. I just, I can't. I've tried twice, and I gave up. Never been able to do it, but this morning I took, and I took that Martha White, and I took and opened it up. I dumped it in a bowl. I took a half a cup of milk. I dumped it in a bowl. I stirred it up. I greased the pan. I dumped it in the pan. Fifteen minutes later, guess what? I had muffins. You know why? Because I believed what was written on that package. I believe that everything that was in there was all that was necessary for making muffins except the milk. It said to add a half a cup of milk. Had I added two cups of milk, guess what would happen? I wouldn't eat muffins. Had I not added milk, guess what would happen? I wouldn't eat muffins. I added a half a cup of milk. I poured it in my pan. And I had a chocolate chip muffin on my way out the door this morning. Because I believe what Martha White said. I believe that everything was in order. I believe that everything was right. I believe that everything was right where it needed to be in order to make muffins. We can believe Martha White. We can believe Betty Crocker. We can believe any cookbook. Why can't we believe this one? God has set it up. God has got it in order. God has fixed it. All we have to do is believe. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whatever is standing in your way is not worth you dying to go to hell over. I've heard people say before, God, uh, how can a loving God send a person to hell? God has never sent a person to hell. God has never sent a human being to hell. The only thing that can send you to hell is a sin of unbelief. In order to be saved, the Bible says you must believe on Jesus, the Son of God. That is it. That's as hard as it gets. That's all that it takes. The Bible says that you have to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Believe that He came and lived a sinless life. Believe that He was that Redeemer that you did not have. Believe that He rose again conquering death, suffering your hell so that you could have eternal life through Him. If you believe that this morning, you'll get saved. And if you don't, you're going to send yourself to hell. And to the best of my knowledge, nobody chooses things like that on their own. Nobody is going to choose to go and walk into a flame of fire. It's not, it's not sane. It's not right. It don't make good sense. But if you choose to deny Jesus Christ, if you choose not to believe what is written in this book, if you choose to believe a Martha White muffin mix over the Holy Bible, then you're going to die and go to hell. And it's nobody's fault but your own. That, that, that's as far as it goes. I, 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 can't, I can't get you there. I have two kids. And I can't get either one of them to heaven. Can't do it. Both, uh, both sets of their grandparents are here this morning. They can't none of them get them to heaven. 
There's people in this church that love my kids and y'all can't get them to heaven. The only thing that can get them to heaven is their faith and trust in Jesus Christ whenever they reach the age that they're charged with their sin. That's it. That's it. When the Holy Spirit convicts their heart, if they believe in Jesus Christ, they're saved for the dead, they're going to the same heaven I am. But if they don't, if they don't, it's their decision. It's the wrong decision. Same wrong decision that you'll make today if you deny Jesus Christ. And there's no giant that's big enough for you to die and go to hell over. There's nobody that you can say, this person caused me to go to hell. No, they didn't. You allowed them to stand between you and God. <laughs> Heard a boy say one time, he said, I quit going to church because people kept, people kept pressuring me. They say, it's about time for you to get saved. It's about that. And he said, I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And so a person, a person, cost them 10 years of their life that they could have been living for Christ. 10 years later, the man got saved. He said his biggest regret was losing that 10 years because of a person. There's not a person in the world that's worth you putting off Jesus Christ. There's not a, there's not a leader in the world. People always say that there's two types of people. There's a leader and a follower, right? Peter was a leader because whenever he led, everybody else followed him. There is not a leader in the world that is worth you following in the hell. If other people leave, if other people depart to faith, if other people say, I'm not doing it anymore, I'm not coming back, pray for them. Don't follow them. Pray for them. Don't chase after them. They're not worth following in the hell. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 58. I'm sorry, that is not 58. Unless I'm in chapter number 9. Nope, I'm in the wrong place. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, the Israelites are faced with an impossible situation. Impossible has only ever stopped humans. Impossible has never stopped God. Never. Throughout the, the history of the Old Testament, you read of situation after situation that humanly is not possible. I think sometimes God just shows out because He can. Don't you think so? I have to imagine that whenever the Israelites saw this, this Red Sea open up, that Moses is just sitting here saying, yeah, okay, good job, God. Now just show out, why don't you? Verse number 13, Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you this day. It says, stand still. They came to this, this Red Sea and they said, what are we going to do? Well, they're not graves in Egypt. He said in verse 11, he said, Thou hast taken us into this wilderness to die. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us? Carry us forth out of Egypt. He said, why didn't you just leave us there to die, Moses? Moses said in verse number 14, he said, The Lord will fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Verse number 16, he said, But lift up thy rod and stretch forth thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground in the midst of the sea. There is no impossible situation that God is going to put between you and Him. 
that he hadn't already figured out. There's no impossible situation that you're going to be faced with, that you're going to have to deal with, that God has not already figured out. They come up to this sea and Moses had no idea. Moses is living on faith at this time. The Egyptians are chasing them. They're right behind them. And Moses comes up to this water and says, Okay, God, and what next? And God said, Hold out your stick, Moses. I'm going to open it up. What kind of faith did it take to hold up that rod? Because if the water don't open, Moses looks silly, right? What kind of faith did that take? Sometimes that's the same kind of faith that we have to have. Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God has protected me. My God has closed the mouths of these lions. The three Hebrew children said, O king, live forever. We are not careful to answer you. He said, Our God whom we serve continually shall deliver us. Stephen said, Father, forgive them. They're throwing rocks at him. They are killing him. And Stephen said, Father, forgive them. They crucified Christ. He said, Father, forgive them. There is no impossible situation that God can't get us through. There is no impossible situation that is worth giving up our witness, giving up our testimony, giving up the work, allowing the work for God to stop. There is no impossible situation. It does not exist. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to bring it to a close. Matthew chapter number 7. One of the greatest things that can hinder the work of God is never being saved in the first place. One of the greatest things that can hinder your walk with God is never establishing it to begin with. I believe that there are a lot of people today. I say a lot. I believe that there are people today who think they're saved, who have been told that they're saved, who want so bad to live for God and read their Bible, but they never had an experience with Jesus Christ. There's a big difference in going to church and being saved. There's a big difference in believing in God and believing on Jesus Christ for your Savior. There's a big difference in reading your Bible and trying to serve God and being saved. A big difference. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said, The only way is to do the will of my Father. And what did God say? God said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever believeth in the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. That's it. There's no other option. There's no maybe. That There's no almost. He said, many will come to me in that day. They'll say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out many devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. God, look at all I've done for you, but you never believed in Jesus. And hell, you'll lift your eyes. God, I came to church all the time, but you never believed in Jesus. And in hell, you lift your eyes. God, I was a Sunday school teacher. God, I was a deacon. God, I was a preacher. God, I was a missionary. God, I lived for you every day. But you never believe in Jesus. You miss it all. If you miss Christ, you... You've missed it all. There's no amount of work there. There's no amount of there's no amount of anything. God has been gracious. God has been merciful because He's given you one more opportunity this morning, right now. 
in reality, a second opportunity is more than any of us ever deserved. But God gave it anyway. And the Bible says, Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's it. There's nothing in this world worth standing in between you and salvation. There's nothing in the world that can stay there if you'll call to Jesus. There's no giant that God can't slay. There's no wall. There's no sea that He can't open up. There's no impossible situation that He hasn't already figured out. All you have to do is believe. I've said it once. I'm going to say it one more time. It's the hardest, easiest thing you'll ever do is to believe in Jesus Christ. But if you will, God for Jesus' sake will save you. Oh, we have a verse from song. I ask for verse.